From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So would you bow your heads with me, and would you open your heart, and just begin to ask him to increase your faith that your faith in him, your trust, your ability to believe in the things that he said would grow, would be stirred, would be set on fire this morning. Father, we ask for an increase of the measure of faith you've given to each of us. And I pray that the measure of faith that is given to each of us would be stirred this morning. That we wouldn't just come with a disconnected faith, God, that believes in the mere existence of a God, but we would come with Lord, expectation in our hearts that what you say will come to pass. Let our faith rise up. Because we stand, Lord, against a very real enemy who's looking to devour us and to set us off course. And so I pray, God, as we look to videos that that say things like, not today, God, I pray that our faith would be stirred to believe it in our spirits in Jesus' name. And so for everyone here, God, increase, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Are you with me? I want you to stand for the reading of the Word of God. Let's, uh, let's add a little bit more umph to what we're hearing this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. This has been our, our verse for this series in this series called Not Today, Satan, as we look at spiritual warfare and we talk about how God has equipped us. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. The Spirit inspired Paul to write this. This is now in the canon of Scripture that we believe is authoritative, inspired by God. So as we read this, we are reading the words that God has given to us for today. In 2022, October 30th, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and take with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You may take a seat. I want, I want to laser focus this morning. I want to stir you. Hopefully you're stirred. Because the Spirit of God wants to speak to you. 
I'm going to speak, and I might share some, some nice stuff, but I believe and I want the Spirit, I want, I want you to hear the Spirit speaking to you, because He's speaking. So here's what we know so far. If you've been journeying with us in this series, there's a spiritual war that exists in spiritual places, and it manifests itself in our daily struggles. And we have a spiritual enemy, the Satan, the adversary, the devil, the accuser, the slanderer who schemes against the church in order to hurt God. But God has not left us unequipped for these struggles. He's not like, oh man, oh well, hopefully you do okay. He's actually given us his own armor, ways in which we ready ourselves against this spiritual foe. And make no mistake, the struggles that you face on a daily have behind them spiritual realities at work. And to take a stand against these forces, Paul says that we need to be equipped with a different kind of armor. And too often, we are attempting to battle the daily battles and the daily struggles that we face with armor from the world and from our culture. We try to muster up this self-esteem. You can do it. And I don't know about you, but how many times I've tried that and I fail and I fall short. But Paul says, no, we equip ourselves differently for this struggle because this is a spiritual struggle. This is just not a physical struggle. This is not just a mental struggle. This is not just an emotional, relational thing. This is not just between you and your neighbor or you and your coworker, or you and your spouse or you and your kids or you and that person. This is spiritual. There's realities at work and at play that are fighting against you. And so he says we need to take a stand and we do so by being equipped with what God has provided us. And this is not just some metaphorical prayer that we pray. God, I put on the whole armor, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. This is a way of life. That's what he's saying, a way in which you live your life in order to take a stand against this spiritual foe. And so Paul uses a Roman soldier's armor as a metaphor to help us understand these things. First, we looked at the belt of truth. In some translations, we'll say to gird your loins, to gird your loins, to prepare ourselves by, by pulling up all the extra comfortable, you know, comfy pant clothing and, and tightening around our waist. That's what the Roman soldier would do. They'd take up all the loose clothing that they would let hang loose in the comfortable evenings of their day, and they would wrap it up around the waist, and they'd tighten it with the belt. And what that would do is it would restrict their comfort, but it would allow them to move more freely in battle. And in the same way, we gird our loins. We, we fasten around ourselves, around our waist, the truth of God's word, the truth, not untruths, not deceptions, not lies, not manipulated, distorted things that we see posted on Facebook because somebody attached the word Jesus to it. Must be true because it's on Facebook and it says Jesus. That is baloney. Probably is like baloney because baloney is really, I don't even know what's in baloney. I used to eat a lot as a kid. But we fasten God's truth founded and predicated on the Word of God. And listen, you fall victim to the enemy's schemes when you're deceived into believing a lie. And as I was thinking about this, you don't even know when you're deceived. You can't just say, oh, I've been deceived, unless you're no longer deceived. And that's why we need to be in the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about these things? We need to press pause every day. 
what does the Word of God say about that Facebook post? What does the Word of God say about what that person just said about the Word of God? What does the Word of God say about what Pastor Call is saying right now about the Word of God? I'm going to press pause. I'm going to go home and study this for myself so the truth of God is in me so I'm not deceived into believing something that is untrue. That's why we need faith community, brothers and sisters that could say, that is not true. You've been deceived. That's really hurtful and mean and unkind. I'm actually saying it because I love you. Wounds, the scriptures say, from a friend can't be trusted. Or sorry, can be trusted. Next, we, we arm ourselves with fastening around our heart the breastplate of righteousness. Both the righteousness given to us through Jesus and right side up living. We cannot expect to stand against the spiritual enemy and his deceptions, his lies, his schemes when we live upside down against the word of God. We cannot expect to take a stand against this enemy when we live in a way that is contrary to the word of God. In sin. If you are in sin, you cannot expect to walk in alignment in a way that the enemy cannot get you. If you could have pictured just God's protection like an umbrella and righteousness being walking under the umbrella, the moment you decide to walk in an unrighteous way, you're stepping out of the protection. I'm protected. No, you're not. Because you're no longer equipped with the breastplate of righteousness that protects the heart, not just our physical heart or our soul. Finally, we discuss the gospel shoes, the goodness of God's peace, which provides a foundation to ground ourselves on. It is easy to stand against the difficulties of this life, right? To walk in the terrain of this world and this culture, knowing we have peace with God as our foundation. Because when the troubles come, and Jesus promised the trouble will come, our foundation is a little bit more secure, the wind and the waves can push and move, but my foundation is secure. If my foundation is not secure, I'm going to fall. And so the next piece that Paul discusses is the shield of faith. That's what we're going to look at today. And this is the first piece of equipment that Paul gives a little bit of an extra explanation. And I think that's interesting. I think Paul's trying to highlight something for us here. He's going through each piece, and he's naming them, and then he names the shield of faith, and he puts this little caveat. He says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. One of the reasons that we fall into the enemy's tactics is because our faith shield is either cracked or not equipped. But in equipping ourselves with this defensive piece of armor we will find the nature of our spiritual lives shift dramatically. You ever meet those people that just have like extraordinary faith? They're going through like the hardest things and you're like, how are you doing that? It's this. How do you, how do you take a stand? How, how, are you, how, is, how are you not like crumbling under the weight of that? Because I have faith. And they're just like radical. You're like, I need me some of that. I need me, whatever you're having, I want some of that. Paul says, if you take up the shield of faith, the flaming arrows with which the enemy attacks you with will be extinguished. I think the church today doesn't need more proclamation. 
I don't think that we need more declarations. I think we need unwavering faith. We need faith that doesn't shift with the strength of the storm or the impact of the waves. We need faith that trusts both when we're out of the fire and when we're in the fire. It's easy to trust when you're not in the pain and in the struggle, right? But when you're in it, we need the kind of faith that, that stands in the fire. We need the kind of faith that stands unmoved when we're thrown into a lion's den. Not the kind of faith that says, I hope that if I'm thrown into a lion's den, that I'll trust my God. We need the kind of faith that when we're in the lion's den, we're unmoved. If you, uh, if you look through the scriptures, faith is a word presented often, and it's it's paramount to seeing the power of God displayed in and around our lives. And so I was thinking about this. We need to remember that God exists outside of time. Time is a created construct. He is in the yesterday, he is in the today, and he is in the tomorrow. Presently, as we speak, he is in your past. Because he exists outside of time, right? He can intervene in time. He sees your future. He's there in your future. He's there in your past. Which means when we look at the stories of the scripture and we read about the faith that these people had and how their faith in Christ, you know, provided deliverance and provision and healing. That is a past reality to us. We're looking at 2,000 years maybe. We look to the Old Testament. We look even further, right? That is a past reality for us. That is a present reality for God. Which means, I know I'm getting a little deep here, which means that the same faith that these people that we read about and we talk about that enabled Christ to move in and around their lives is the same faith that moves him today. And so when we read about Daniel in the lion's den, and we read about the woman who just wants to reach out and touch Jesus and, and let the power of God move through, and we, we read about the friends ripping open the roof and, and lowering down. That's the same faith that we can have today, that can see the same miracles happen today, because God does not change, because time is a construct created by him for us. So he's there, and he's here. Right? This is not just something that happened long ago. Well, they had faith back then because, no. In fact, we are more privy to the power of God because we have all the stories. And if you look at the people in the Old Testament, you look at Daniel. Let's, let's pick on Daniel in the lion's den. He doesn't have the witness of all the people who walked with Christ. He doesn't have the heroes of faith that we can look at. He's just got his faith in the same God. But we can look back and we can see testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. And I'm going to read a whole list at the end of this message. Of faith. And we can call on our God in the same way and say, move. I believe. I trust. I will not be moved. Why? Because God does not change. The same faith the same faith, church, the same trust and belief that moved the heart of God in the scriptures is the same faith required today. So I don't think we need more proclamation and declarations unless this is it. We just need unwavering faith that trusts in him. When the faith of the centurion man came to Jesus, Jesus, 
He says, no, I need my servant to be healed, but you don't need to come. Just say the word. And Jesus is like, I have not seen that kind of faith in all of Israel. The faith of the Canaanite woman who just asked for some crumbs off the table. If we're going to see the power of God and the glory of God at work, if we're going to take a stand against those daily struggles, we just need faith. The kind of faith that stands before giants with slings and stones. It says, it's okay. My God's with me. You got a nice big sharp sword that I probably cannot pick up. And you got a javelin that if you hurl that at me, you could probably pierce right through me. And I got some slings and some stones. And my God is with me like the audacity. We need the faith that says, I can walk on water because Jesus says, come. Like, think about Peter for a moment. Storm's coming. They're a little bit afraid. They see a ghost figure walking on the water. They realize it's Jesus, which would still freak them out because a human is walking on water. And Peter says, if that's you, let me come. And Jesus says, come on. This is what the scriptures say, come. And he steps out of the boat. That kind of faith is what we need in the church today. We need the faith that says, even if I'm dragged before the authorities and threatened with sure death, I will trust him. Paul says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The Roman shield was a a powerful piece of equipment, so a very useful tool Um, While the Roman soldiers often had a small shield for hand-to-hand combat, the one in Paul's mind was likely a very long, oblong, you'll see it there on the screen here, very long, very oblong shape um, that covered in many positions, if they took a certain position, would cover the whole soldier. If the shield was bypassed, it was the other pieces of armor that would protect the soldier, but the shield was the first tool of defense. In fact, it was the shield that protected the other pieces of equipment. What what guards the truth fastened around your your waist, around your life? It's, It's your faith in the truth. What guards your righteousness, your faith that you have been made righteous before God? What guards your peace? It's your faith that regardless of what happens, I've been made at peace with God. What guards our salvation from attack, it's faith that we've been saved by faith. It's faith. In the mind of God, it's a purposeful instrument. Ironically, our culture will look at those who believe by faith, and they'll say that we're blind, that we have blind faith. And the irony is that it's actually that faith that allows us to see more truly and more clearly. Faith. The shield is not a wall that we hide behind, a crutch that we lean on. It's actually something that helps us advance in the kingdom of God. It's something that we can um, equip upon ourselves and we can push forward in the things of God. You want to see God move in and around your life, you need to increase your faith. You want to see the kingdom of God advance in your world, in in the culture that is your life. You need faith to push forward because the, as the enemy seeks to push against you and he's 
fires his flaming arrows. It's your faith that pushes ahead. It's your faith that extinguishes. I can keep walking ahead. You can fire what you want at me, enemy, but I trust in my God. You know, many years ago now, seven years ago, almost to the day, a few weeks to the day, our son Joshua was born. And when he was born, there was a lot of concerns around his heart. And so they put us in the NICU for a number of days, and there was a lot of fear and uncertainty in us in that time. And I remember Jody and I in this really bright, small room with a little bed that we could take turns sleeping on, and this looked like a clear coffin with a little baby in it with wires attached to him. I remember us holding each other, thinking, what are we going to do? There was a narrowing in his aorta that they were concerned about, and they wouldn't let us leave until they performed another echo and, or got the echo. And, and it was faith. We kept just saying, we just got to trust in God. We just got to trust in God. And I can tell you that we were moved by the wave and the struggle. In the storm of this. And they finally, after about four or five days, they, they said, we're going to let you go home, but tomorrow you have an appointment at McMaster to get another echo done. You need to go. And I remember the doctor looking at us, the pediatrician, saying, you promised me you will go. You need to go. And of course, we're, we're like, do we even leave? Long story short, he got the echo and in between that time, we had many people praying for us. I remember on the drive, my pastor called me, and his son was born with half a heart. And here our son is having heart issues, and so he prayed with us and encouraged us as we were driving to Big Master. We got the next echo down. I remember this tiny little baby again. His shirt's up. You know, he's just sleeping. He slept through it all. What a champ. We finally got the results of that, and there was no narrowing at all. There was actually a wide, and they're saying that part looks wider and they chalk it up to someone misread, you know, someone misread the thing, which I'm like, so you're telling me that the, the pediatrician in the neonatal intensive care unit at St. Catherine's Hospital is inapt to read an echo properly, that they don't know what they're doing, and you do. I don't believe that. No, no one really said, well, this is that, you know. It's just kind of like, oh, no, that's fine. But we knew because we had people praying because we had faith. I'm going to come back to that. What is faith? Faith is the moral conviction of God's truthfulness. Faith is not just believing in a creator that exists. James, the half-brother of Jesus, in his letter tells us that even the demons believe and shudder in their fear. Faith that we're talking about isn't a threat to the enemy if it's just faith that believes in the mere existence of a God. I believe in God. That's not a threat to the enemy. Faith is an action, a trust in God, and that makes the enemy fearful. Faith equals trust. It's trust in action, trusting him at his words. It's believing that he's telling you the truth. 
Like when you read the scriptures and you read what, what God decrees and what God declares and what Jesus shows us, it's believing that he's telling the truth. All of it, not just some of it, all of it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. What would the church look like today? What would Parkway look like today if we acted like God was telling us the truth? Oh. Like when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What if we believed that was true? When he says, call on the elders and have them come anoint you with oil and pray for you, you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another that you may be. What if we believed that was true? That if you ask for the Holy Spirit, you will receive. But we have these little moments of, uh, I don't know. If, it's, if I pray this time, it might not work. Like your prayer is broken. And we're like kids sometimes going to our parents thinking maybe they won't give it to me. And sometimes God says no when we ask for the sports car or we ask him for the right numbers on the lottery ticket. But when, when there's things in his word that he declares, what if we just believed that he wasn't fibbing? That's what faith is. Tony Evans said it this way. I found this quote this week. It says, it's acting like it is so, even when it is not so, so that it might be so simply because God said so. In the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it was their adherence to the truth that gave them the strength not to bow down to the golden statue, but it was their faith, their trust in God that he would protect them even if they were thrown into the blazing furnace. In the story of Daniel, it was his belief that prayer to his God took precedent over the national laws, but it was his faith, his trust in God that enabled him to remain secure even when actually being tossed into a lion's den. Like we like, we like sugarcoat that story, like, hmm, tossed in a lion's den. Yeah, okay, let's move on with our day. Let's go have some lunch. He was thrown into a pit with hungry lions. It would freak me out a little bit. Don't do it. I don't want to go. I'd fight. But his faith, his trust in God enabled him to stand secure and believe that he would be protected. Abraham's faithfulness strengthened him to sacrifice his son, Isaac, who was a promise by God that through Isaac, Abraham would, be, would have multitudes of offspring. But he sacrificed him out of faith on the altar of worship. It was his faith that trusted that even when he slayed his son, God would raise his son from the dead. That is just nutty, church. Faith is trust. I lost my job, but my God will provide. My spouse is on their deathbed, but I know God will make a way. My marriage is crumbling, but I trust my God reconciles all things. I've been diagnosed, but I trust my God to heal. I have a lot of things on the go, and I just don't seem to have a way through it all. I trust that he is with me. 
Faith trusts God when the enemy tries to knock you down. Now, shields, Roman shields, protected against one of the most terrible weapons used against a soldier, and that was arrows soaked in pitch and lit on fire and shot from afar. But when Romans are actually going to battle, often when, when they would face um, arrows coming at them were not measly little things that we would see, but often they were like the size of javelins lit on fire and shot from catapults. They were weapons of destruction. They were flaming missiles, often. And shot with great accuracy and velocity. And the intention wasn't just to hit and immobilize a target. It was to distract and to catch the opponents off guard and to disrupt the opponents' lines, the organization. Fire this giant arrow and set things ablaze, cause confusion and chaos. And that's what the devil tries to do. That's what Satan tries to do. He wants to distract us and blindside us, and he shoots these darts all the time. Darts of lustful thoughts, hateful thoughts about another person, judgmental thoughts, anxiety, worry about the what-ifs, insecurities, darts of accusation and slander, darts of doubt and the faithfulness of God. If, if he can distract you and set you off course, he knows that he's got a leg up on your life. I imagine him just... It's a scheme of the enemy that says, look at that person. They're more appealing than your spouse. You'll find more love there. It's a tactic of the enemy, a distraction. When he says, can you believe they did that to you? They're not worthy of your love. You know, that sin, it's not that big of a deal. It's not hurting anyone. Does it really matter? I can't believe you would stoop so low. You are a terrible person. I know you pray, but what if God doesn't heal? Sometimes he doesn't, right? Tactics, schemes, flaming arrows to distract you from what truly matters and knock you out of the faith game. If he can set areas of your life on fire, I'm telling you, he will. Especially for people in the Lord's army that are advancing the kingdom of God. He's not going to fire arrows at people that are sitting at home on their comfortable couch with their, their loins not girded. I don't even know what the terminology I'm trying to think of. <laughs> He's going to attack those who are becoming a threat to him and are moving forward in faith. And so as you take up the word of God and you take up prayer and you start to trust in God and you, you make advancements in your faith journey, you become a threat. And so he says, let's fire at them. What should we fire? Lust, judgment, discouragement, job loss. Let's get a wedge in their relationships. Let's get them annoyed when they go to church. We can't stop them from going to church, but let's get them frustrated with the people around them. You know, it's too cold, it's too hot. That's those things. Anything that can distract them. They need to turn up the heat. They need to turn down the heat. So what extinguishes these attacks? It's faith soaked in the presence of God. So these shields, before they would go into battle, they would dip them in water. 
And so even if a fiery arrow penetrated the wood, the, the leather that was on the shield that was soaked with the water would extinguish the flame. How do you increase your faith? You dip it in the waters of God's presence. A faith that is dipped often in God's presence is stronger against any scheme of the devil. Do not expect your faith to help you take a stand if it's not dipped in the well that never runs dry. Many of us, we lack faith, true trust in God's ability and what God says can be. We, we get distracted. We slip in sin. We allow ungodly thoughts to grip our mind, anxieties, worries, because we don't often go into the presence of God. And so we look at someone else and we say, how do they have that faith in those circumstances? Because they've been dipping in the water. They've been spending time with Christ. What does that look like? We overcomplicate this. Oh my goodness, we overcomplicate this. It's taking daily time. Open up the Word of God. Read it. Pray about what you're reading. Pause. Let Him speak to you. That's it. It's not complicated stuff. It's maybe not as appealing to you right now in your journey as Netflix is, because Netflix with its flashing lights and the things that can cause epilepsy if you're not careful is a lot more appealing to me. But if you, if you dip in this water and you do it often enough, you will find yourself stronger in the struggle. You'll be like, oh, I think I felt something there, but there's no flames because your faith has extinguished the flames. Like if you can get the image of, that I have in my mind of a soldier with a shield that's been dipped in the water and he's getting arrows shot at him, but he's still moving ahead. His feet are, are, are positioned right on a good foundation. He's got his loins girded with the belt of truth. He's got righteousness. He's got a shield in place, and he keeps moving ahead. Arrow, okay. Arrow, okay. Arrow, okay. Arrow, okay. Arrow, it's okay. Oh, that one poked through a little bit. It's okay. No flames. Because I'm going back. I'm dipping my shield in the presence of God. I'm dipping my faith in the presence of God. If you need strength, if you need faith increase, church, it's not a formula that you need to figure out and get right on the calculation mathematical board and did I miss something? Did I not get the square root of whatever? Did I not pray the right prayer, Lord? No, you just need to spend a little extra time. It's like a relationship that is thriving. Why is it thriving? Because they have time. You have a relationship with your kid that is thriving. It's probably because you spent time relationship with a spouse, it's because you spent time. You have a buddy, a friend, you get along with really well that you know you can just, you can say anything to that person, it's because you've spent time. It's the same. It's the exact same thing. Faith soaked in the presence of God is strong faith. <clears throat> One final thought, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come. And we're just going to spend a moment after and just sit in the presence of God. The team's going to lead us quietly in a song, and we're just going to sit and pray and, and allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts. And The shields that the Romans used wasn't just a defensive piece of equipment for the soldier, but it actually worked to defend fellow soldiers. The shields could actually link up 
with the fellow soldier next to them and when grouped together would offer greater defense. Strategically placed hooks on the sides of the shields would allow them to lock together and when they hoisted them overhead, it was what, what they would call a turtle formation. And in that unity, two-thirds of the shield would protect the soldier, but one-third would protect the soldier beside them. Faith is stronger when faith doesn't go alone. Faith that is alone is weak. Faith that stands with another is stronger. And this is why the church is a body that needs one another. If you notice in Paul's discussion about the church, he doesn't say your body is made up of individual abilities that you have in yourself. And when you put all these abilities and strengths and talents you have in yourself, you can accomplish much. That's a message of our world, right? You have what it takes. And that sounds really nice, but it's misleading. Paul's instruction to the church is we are a body made up of many parts and we need one another. Your faith can actually boost the faith of someone else. When my faith is dipped in the presence of God and I've equipped it for these struggles of life, it not only enables me, but it strengthens those around me. I had a student call me this week, an old student of mine. I was a youth pastor for many years and this student texted me, and they're now a youth pastor, and they're struggling. There's a situation going on in their church. Their church is in transition, and, and some people are, some bad people are talking, stirring up strife and division, and this young youth pastor seems to be a target. And they texted me, and they said, I just need, I just need prayer. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I say, well, tell me a little bit what's going on. What's, what's happening? So they shared a little bit. And so I tried to encourage them. And there's a moment they said, I was doubting my call. Doubting my call. Am I called? So I was encouraging them and saying that the call of God in your life is not contingent on where you are and the circumstance of where you are. And then I shared this, this thought with them that came to my mind that was shared with me many years ago. And then they texted me and they said, that's exactly what I needed right now. And then I said, and that is why you reached out. Because church, sometimes your faith isn't strong enough and so you need to call on somebody and allow their faith to give you the strength to stand in your struggle. And so let me give you a little tip. If someone comes to your mind, say a quick word of prayer for them and then send them a message. You gotta send them a message. Hey, you're on my mind today, so I pray for you. And more often than not, believe me, more often than not, you'll probably get a message back saying, I needed that. Sometimes not. That's okay. Just let someone know you're thinking about them. But you never know when someone's faith is being crushed under the crumbling weight of what they're being hit with and they just need another shield to come alongside them. When you see someone in the service and you feel like you just need to go over and put your arm around them and pray with them or encourage them, do it. Got my permission right here. You don't need my permission to go encourage someone in the body of Christ. You don't need my permission to pray with somebody who needs prayer. 
Because that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you to go to them. My faith, when dipped in the presence of God, strengthens another. I hope that our faith is being stirred today. I want to read a, a very lengthy passage of Scripture. And then the team's going to quietly lead us. And I just want us to, you can worship along with them, but I just want us to sit in God's presence and allow His presence to increase our faith. Simple. But there's a big chunk of Scripture that speaks about the faith of many people who have gone before us. We call it the heroes of faith. In fact, why don't you stand? Let's stand as I read this. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 10, verse 39, then we're going to go to 11, read all of 11, and then we're going to read the beginning of 12. Here's what the author says. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are now saved. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would labor receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man... And he is as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand in the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he, was prepared, he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise even raise the dead. 
And so on a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when, he was, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell. After the army had marched around them for seven days, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of the lions and quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And these were all commended for their faith. Yet not one of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now listen to this, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we, a Parkway Church, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.